Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday here in the Morton studio. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We're going to be taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Of course, you can always email us as well, radio at agphd.com, and you can even do both. I know sometimes folks will send us a soil test and say, hey, I'm going to call in in a little bit, and I want to talk to you about this, and that's fine too. We don't need a whole lot of prep time looking at these soil tests. We get to see quite a few soil tests on a weekly basis, Brian. All right. Uh, we're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a minute here. Before we do, I just want to let you know, Coming up this summer, we again have the Ag PhD Field Day. It's always the last Thursday in July, so we'd love to see you there. It's a free event we do every year to say thank you to you for listening to us here on Ag PhD Radio and watching us on Ag PhD TV. We've been on TV now for 25 years, and this is our 10th year here on Sirius XM and Rural Radio. So I, I guess I, I I just feel super blessed that we've been able to do this so long. And we'd love to have you come to our farm and see the research work that we're doing. And we've got some uh, we got some great entertainment for you as well. We'll take you through our plots. Uh, we've got free food and drinks throughout the day. So again, it's the last Thursday in July is the Ag PhD Field Day. Now, there is one other thing that I want to let you know. If you have anyone that's in your family or anyone you know in your area going to college or going to be going to college this fall, we have what we call our Scouting and Scholarships event. It's the last Saturday in June. And at that event, we're hoping to give away over 100 college scholarships. Seriously. So what we do during that day is bring all these young people in and talk to them about just agriculture in general, and then we take them out in the field and go through, like we say, scouting. And so it's a scouting and scholarships event. And anyway, it's a lot of fun. It's just one day, and again, we'll be giving away, or we're hoping to give away, over 100 college scholarships this year. So for more information on our scouting and scholarships event or the Ag PhD field date, just go to agphd.com. Right now, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. All right, Brian had a few questions that we didn't get to yesterday uh, following the Ag PhD corn workshop. So I want to dive into a few of those to start things off. Tanner asks, can I put a fulvic acid uh, through chemigation or does it need to be put on through a sprayer with much lower carrier? You know, sprayer. Typically, Tanner, that's going to be sprayer. Now, if you said yeah. I'm going to put a soil applied humic acid out there, yeah, that'd be well, different. You, you could do that. And that would be no problem. But with the fulvics, normally we're putting them on with a fungicide or a foliar feed. So yep. we, we would like that sprayed on. Yes. Uh, Jared asks, uh, if a grower was using, say, a product like Trivolt or Corvus, is there enough supply of status or Diflex post-emerge, given all the supply issues that there have been, especially BSF seems to have some of those products? <laughs> there is a lot of yeah. Trivolt uh, that guys in my area are talking about using, and if we're forced to use Dicamba or um, status, that, that could be a challenge. I'm not worried about Dicamba supply at all. There's zero problem with Dicamba supply. Now, status is a little bit of dicamba, it's mostly diflufanzapyr. That could run out this year. I doubt that it will. And, and the main reason why is just it's high priced. At the five ounce rate, you're spending over $20 an acre, which means that 90% of farmers aren't going to choose that option. So is it the best? Yeah, it's hands down the best 
post-emerge broadleaf weed control that there is. Not, and it's not even close. So yeah, I, I mean, if money was no object, I'd absolutely recommend status. It's just that most people are not going to get it. And so I'm not worried about supply. All right. Uh, got a question here that came in from Eric, and he said, I'm wondering where you guys get your soil testing done. Currently, our fertilizer dealers doing our testing, but they don't offer Malik 3. Is that a real common test? Yes, super common test. Most labs in the United States that we know of run a Malik 3 test. We're getting ours done at Midwest Labs, but there are lots of good labs out there. All right. Uh, oh, and the two reasons why we've gone to Malik 3. Number one, it's half the price or less compared to a lot of other tests. And number two, we believe that we are getting much more accurate manganese numbers. In a DTPA manganese test, the manganese numbers are going to go up if your pH is low, and the manganese numbers are going to go down if your pH is high, and that's the only correlation that there is. So uh, with a Malik 3 number, we don't really see that correlation. We see what we believe is a true manganese number that's actually in the soil. All right, Larry's got a comment here, and we were talking about the natural products that can provide some more nitrogen for plants. Uh, Larry said, we used Proven 40, and we did see better stalks and better leaves. Now, the yield was only a slight difference. The challenge is the price point was kind of expensive for just a, a little nicer looking plant. Yep. You know, I, I agree, Larry. That's going to be the challenge here is we're going to have to see enough yield to provide a return on investment. It, it is nicer to have a good stand. I will agree with you on that if you had less lodging okay. and that kind of stuff. Yeah, but here's here's what we found. Every single one of those biological nitrogen replacement products actually works. They do. They provide nitrogen. So I, I, I do not doubt that anymore at all. Our research has found they all work. However, the only reason that they're going to give you yield gain is if you need that nitrogen. So some people have talked about, well, I'm going to leave my nitrogen at the full rate and I'm going to throw these products on. Well, what good in the world is that going to do you? Just think logically for a second. If nitrogen's not a yield limiting factor, then what good does adding more nitrogen do? It doesn't. So you have to, and when I say cut your nitrogen rate, you may or may not need to cut your nitrogen rate depending on how much nitrogen's in the soil, how much your organic matter will deliver, and what your yield goal is. So for example, if you've only got 150 pounds between what's in the soil and what organic matter is going to provide, and you're going for 300 bushel corn, well, obviously you got to have more nitrogen out there. But what we find, at least in the United States, is most people are not underdoing it on nitrogen. They're overdoing it on nitrogen. And or at least getting the amount out there they would need for their yield goal. So make sure if that if you're in that boat, then you cut that nitrogen rate before you apply that biological nitrogen product. And yeah, you'll you'll get some gain. Hey, you never know what discussion we're going to get into here on Farmer Friday because it's all about your calls and your questions. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. This whole midnight ride thing is getting really... But the HPPD-resistant weeds are coming. We've got Verdict Herbicide. Verdict Herbicide? Yeah, it's a non-HPPD corn pre-herbicide from BASF. Oh, well then, get some sleep. Yeah, will do. The weeds are coming! Switch to Verdict Herbicide! Always read and follow label directions! In 1923, Bertar Benjamin had a vision. An all-purpose tractor that could do more. 
With that, the Farmall was born. This year, Case IH is celebrating 100 years of Farmall, 100 years of milestones, 100 years of innovation, passion, grit, and they're doing it through your stories. Share them at farmall100.com. One lucky storyteller will win their own Farmall, the tractor that is the one for all. Hi, Greg Souter. Uniform emergence is critical for high ear count and yields. Good emergence starts with the closing of the seed trench. It's almost impossible to pinch the seed trench closed from the top, no matter what style of closing wheel you use. That's why 360 Wave closes the seed trench from the bottom up. 360 Wave rolls moist soil from the bottom of the V trench over the seed, completely engulfing the seed, eliminating all traces of the trench. That means better germination and emergence. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com. Think ahead to planting. Schedule your planter inspection with the experts at CNB. Make sure your equipment is in top shape and ready for the field this spring. CNB is your local John Deere dealer offering expert service and customer commitment. Learn more or schedule your appointment online today at DeereEquipment.com. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. And now when you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. Offer good while supplies last, so order yours today at FarmShopMFG.com. back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's Farmer Friday here. That means our phone lines are open throughout the whole show. 844-44-AG-PHD. If you've got an agronomic question, if you want to talk about something happening on your farm or something going into this year's crop year, uh, today's your day. It would be great to hear from you. Uh, start off over in Illinois. We've got Kenny on right now. Uh, Kenny, how are you doing today? Oh, doing pretty good. Kind of warm around here today compared to what it's been. Excellent. Well, I I like the warm up because we've got some snow and I want that to melt. But it's not as warm as Orlando this year. You heading down to Commodity Classic? Heading down to Commodity Classic. Uh, no co-chairman this year, and uh, we're really excited uh, about the show. You know, I, I've been to Orlando to Commodity Classic before. the The convention center is fantastic. The facilities are great, and of course tons of stuff to do in and around the 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 classic event itself uh what's going on this year down there what what are some of the highlights well we're really excited uh our theme this year is preparing for the next generation which which goes through with uh talking about um you know bringing bringing multi-generation families coming down you know like you said there's all kinds of parks down there and and uh, we bring the kids down have a good time and also come to the show and and learn about the, the other side is the next generation of technology. Uh, you know, we've got the uh, trade show this year is, is uh, booked completely up. And I think this is a record. We got over 400 uh, exhibitors there to talk about all the, all the new technology and the, and the latest, the greatest equipment. And uh, it's just, uh, it's going to be a, a great show there. Got a lot of learning sessions. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. It's it's good to uh, to get to some of those breakouts. Like you mentioned with all the exhibitors, one of the things I've always appreciated about Commodity Classic is the people that are in those booths are some of the very best for each of those companies. And uh, to me, if I've got questions that I need answered, here we are heading right into the growing season. Why not get one of the experts there right on hand? And the other thing that I like, uh, and I don't know, Kenny, I don't know if all the equipment dealers like this, but I kind of like walking into one booth and then walking right over to their competitor and seeing for myself how they compare. 
Oh, I agree. I know I've been going to Kamai Classic for many years, and, and one of the things I enjoy is when you walk into into the different equipment booths, you're actually talking to some of the executives. There's actually sometimes some of the the the, uh, uh, the engineer-type people, and, and you can really, you know, if, I've had issues where I've had a problem with a piece of equipment, and, and I'd walk in there and, and ask somebody, hey, I got, I got this planner, and I've got some concerns with it, and hey, hold on a minute, let me get that guy, and then you can actually find out exactly what the problem is or what you can get. Uh, you know, basically who to talk to. And, and I've had people come back, you know, call me up a, a month later and ask how I'm doing for that person I talked to and, and making sure that that problem I had is solved. So that, that's a, that's a big thing. Absolutely. Yep. So, you know, the other thing, Kenny, we, we get a lot of folks that, that when we get talking about commodity classic here, they say, Oh man, I, my friend signed up for that back in December. I'm probably too late. And I know this for sure. There are so many hotels around Orlando. You're going to be able to find hotel rooms, but can you still, re- can you still register for commodity classic? Is there still time? Oh, Oh, definitely. You can, you can actually, you can register up to the, up to when you get there. I mean, we have, uh, you know, obviously, uh, uh, registrations that are early that, uh, you can register for all three days. You can come and register for one day. Uh, there's hotel rooms around there. If, the big thing is, is go on commodityclassic.com and that lists the hotels. It, it talks about the registrations. It gives you a bunch of information about some of the uh, different things going on. I mean, it's, it's, uh, um, I mean, we're, you're always welcome. I will say this year, uh, right now, as of today, we're 25% uh, registrations, 25% higher than it has been a year ago. So, I mean, we're really looking forward to a good group of people, a lot of farmers coming down, and there's always more is always welcome. So, if, if somebody's wanting to register right now, they they can still register and they can still get a hotel room. Yeah, and in Orlando, there is plenty of room. So you, you won't say, oh, man, now there's too many people there. No, 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 no. They're set up to handle a big crowd like this. So really excited about yes, Commodity Classic this year. Uh, Kenny, thank you so much. Really appreciate you sharing with us. And uh, and stay warm over there. Hope that warm, warmth keeps up. Okay, and then just read it again. Uh, the CommodityClassic.com uh, is where you need to go online, and you can find out all the information about it and, and, and register today. All right. Thanks, Kenny. We really appreciate that. Uh, another caller over in Illinois. got Randy on with us right now. Randy, how are you doing? Doing good. How are you guys today? You know, we are doing pretty well. We're, we're watching the snow slowly disappear. And uh, as soon as we start seeing black soil out there, it gets us really excited. We know spring's around the corner. Uh, are you all set for spring? Are you, have you got all the equipment going? Or are you still, still working on that? <laughs> um, no, we're, uh, we're actually precision planning dealers. We uh, we have a lot of planner work to do between now and the next few months. It's uh, um, it's a little daunting at times, and and then it's you know you want to kind of slow down a little bit, and it's like no, we can't. <laughs> so it's uh, it's always one of those where did February go? Yes, but, yes. Uh, it's it's honestly it's about like being an accountant because at this time of year it's like man the deadline is on the board. Everybody wants to be planting by this certain time, and uh, we got to work twenty four seven some of these days about to get it done. Exactly, exactly. And you know, with some parts coming in slower, has kind of held us up some too. Or it's okay. Well, we can go put those parts on, but the rest of the stuff isn't in here quite yet. And so it's and and that's from every supplier that we deal with you know so it's um 
but uh, but yeah, it definitely keeps things interesting, that's for sure. Hey, talk precision planting just a little bit. What would you say the most popular add-on that, that you're doing this year is? Is there something that you say, man, this, this product is really catching a lot of attention? Um, the new, the, the reveal row cleaners catching a lot of attention, you know, after, after it being out for, um, well, last year was its first commercial year, I guess you could say, um, just the, the way that, that it cal you know, that calms down a row unit, you know, not you know, getting rid of some of that vibration and, uh, changing the downforce requirements, um, you know, because it's frame mounted and whatnot, it. Um, it was very interesting. I, I ran it on half of my planner last year as compared to a regular row cleaner. Um, we're on strip till, so we'll run on a rougher seed bed to begin with. And pulling up the, the good ride maps on field view, um, you know, it's, it's a very drastic difference. Oh, that's awesome. Anything that we can do to, to improve things at planting is, is always good. Would you say there's the most common maintenance item or most common uh, wearable part that you'd say, gosh, uh, I wish we had a whole bunch more of these because everybody needs it? Um, there's a lot of planters that need parallel arms. And a lot of guys are going, well, I can get one more year or two more years. You know, it's it's one of those, the longer you let it go, the faster they wear and you know and, and get farther and farther out so that seems to be probably one of the bigger ones that how, we're addressing a lot how much movement is acceptable with those boxes if you're grabbing on your row unit uh should you be able to move it at all or would you say uh, there, there, there can be a little play but here's where i draw the line right i, I mean you can go grab a new oem and there's there's definitely you know there's some movement there um there's a number of aftermarket options that have gone to um, kind of a, a double bushing style, um, like a GBGI or or some of those um, that, as I like to say, when you grab that row unit, it only moves one direction and that's up. It's, uh, you know, I tell guys, it's, you know, you can grab your row unit and, and lift it when the planter's in the air. You're actually only seeing half of it. Go set that planter down on the on the ground and take the take your tension off of it and just rock that row unit and see just how much movement can actually happen as it's going through the field. Yeah, that that is a real common thing, and I know for for our farm last year that was definitely a maintenance item that we were looking at. And uh, and honestly, some of the rows, it's like, ooh, we finished out the season planting like that. Right, right. And I've been, I've done it to myself, going, oh, I can get one more year out of that, and it's like, oh, I probably really should have replaced those about two years ago. <laughs> you know, and it's uh... well, if they were free, we would all replace them a little sooner. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. Uh, it's all those tough decisions yeah. we have to make out in the farm. Well, Randy, good luck to you. Right. I know you guys are super, super busy. Uh, hopefully everything comes in on time and, and uh, you're able to enjoy planting season a little bit. Sounds good. Thanks. Have a good day. You bet. You too. It's Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? 
Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle, and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. It takes balance to be successful in farming, because what you get out of it depends on what you put in, and Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. There's an innovative new soybean herbicide on the market that's helping close the door on weed resistance and open new doors to productivity. Preview 2.1 SC Herbicide from UPL is a multi-mode of action pre-emergent that controls the most resistant broadleaf weeds at the beginning of the season and continues to control later weeds with strong residual activity. Ask your retailer about Preview 2.1 Herbicide from UPL and always read and follow label directions. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can email us radio at agphd.com. Let's head over to Wisconsin. Got Joe on with us right now. Joe, are you guys about ready to start farming out there, or you got a little snow to get rid of first? No, we've got a blanket of snow on the ground as we speak, but uh, yeah, it looks like a little cold here in the next few days and then start warming up again next week. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the the warm up. Not looking forward to any more snow right now. But if you had a crystal ball, do you think spring is going to be a little slow to come, or you think you're going to be out in the field as early as ever? Well, we've had enough snow in our area to insulate the ground, so we don't have very little, if any, frost. And so, I think it's going to be a little earlier myself. 
Yeah, I, I'm in the same camp as you are. We get the same thing. We don't have very much frost out there. A lot less. What were you saying yesterday, Brian? It was 10 inches less frost than last year or something at this point. Yeah, we were 27 last year, 17 this year. So yeah, a lot less frost and and some of the snow is just soaking right in. And yeah, I'm excited about what we got. Well, actually moisture in the soil for once. That will be kind of nice. Yeah, us too. We've had uh, plenty of rain since the first November. Uh, So yeah, we've got springs running again that haven't ran for uh, much in the last year. So we're getting a good recharge here. I'm, I'm curious, what are guys thinking in Wisconsin? Are, are most guys thinking we're going to stay with the same rotation or, or is anybody looking at markets and saying we're going to do things a little bit different? Typically in this area of our state, we pretty much stick with the rotations, whatever's going to work best for the soil. Yeah, I, I would say I'm hearing a lot of that out there, but uh, just kind of curious, you know, we're starting to see fertilizer prices back off a little bit, and sometimes that get, gets guys more excited about corn, and, you know, if we get a little earlier spring, maybe maybe more corn acres? Yeah, uh, I guess we'll see what the market tells us here in the next uh, 45 days, huh? <laughs> I know it. I know it. Just got to be patient. Uh, so how are you coming with equipment? You got everything ready to roll yet, or you still got some things you're working on? Yeah, I've got the planner going through, and uh, most stuff has gone through. Just uh, some m- minor details, though, a couple of semis i got to get through the shop yet. But other than that, we're getting ready for spring. You know, right, it's that time of year with just a lot of uh, marketing sessions and uh, hope to get to Louisville next week for the farm show and all that off-time-of-year stuff. You bet. You bet. Well, good luck to you, Joe. Thanks for chatting with us a little bit today. And, uh, yeah, hopefully that snow keeps uh, keeps disappearing. Hopefully we don't get too much more coming up. Right. All right. Thank you. Uh, we got Jeff down in Kansas with us right now. Jeff, how are you doing? Uh, doing pretty good. It's a nice, bright, sunny day here. It's really beautiful out right at the moment. Awesome. Yeah, I, the warm-up that we've had up here the last few days now, the last – couple days here it started to turn but that warm-up was sure welcomed and you know i think about here we we're not going to get out in the field really till late march probably doing a little bit of spring how about down in kansas is there a point where you say you know what if it's dry and it's fit out there we might get out there and start doing some work yeah we're located in southwest kansas and i think work is already being done i can tell this week that the wheat's starting to green up a little bit uh where there is moisture but boy, we have been super dry and we've, the storm systems that have come through just only about a 10th of an inch, 2,500 at most. And so we are, we're really in desperate situation here on the dry land, but uh, still praying for rain. Hopefully that La Nina goes away and get back to some regular rainfall. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I, I was hoping, you know, with all the snow that we've gotten, that maybe that starts to turn the tide just a little bit. I think there's maybe a little bit of a feedback effect from the Rocky Mountains. You know, they've got lots of snow, and so I think I'm hoping that some of that moisture ends up heading heading this way because, yeah, right now we've just, uh, I don't know, we're just in a pocket where it just hasn't done anything. Hey, Jeff, I heard you were curious about regenerative ag. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I've just been... Uh, kind of researching it a little bit more been to a couple conferences and and just uh trying to 
weed through some of the concepts and and uh, understand and really figure out is there something that I can really try and put into practice and test this year and so kind of interested about uh, compost extracts um, just adding some biology to the soil maybe uh, some inoculant maybe also trying some different uh, crops or multiple species out there so just trying to learn about that and see what can be done here yeah definitely and I, I guess there are a lot of those concepts that we are in total agreement with. It's just we always have to be thinking about on the farm, we got to be profitable. And one of my concerns Definitely. gets to be adding too many crops. Are they going to be beneficial? Do you have a market for those? I was talking to some farmer uh, just yesterday, I think it was, about some crop that is not raised around here at all that somebody wanted him to grow. And I'm like, just be careful. I mean, if you're raising something that there's no market for right around here, what if that one or the one company backs out on you or something like that? So you got to have somewhere to go with whatever you're producing, have a backup plan. But but anyway, yeah, I mean, there's there, sure. there, there, there yeah. are certainly a lot of benefits to all the things that they talk about there. Yeah, we looking at uh, we're looking at edible beans as a possibility. Yep. And and yeah, definitely the markets that the thing to figure out and know that you got it there. But then the other question that I've had is, is it going to require any different equipment or big modifications or yep. big changes in practices? And, and really we need to know right now how much we're going to do because, you know, spraying season is right, right in front of us and we don't want to spray something that's going to keep us from doing something that we want to try. But yeah, I know what you're saying. You don't want to get spread too thin with a, with a bunch of different crops and, and then if you have to store them, you know, you got to be able to handle that. <laughs> yep. So there's a lot of considerations to yeah. take in. Yeah, definitely. Just a lot of stuff to think about. And I mean, change to everyone is always scary and rightly so. I, I mean, there there are just a lot of unknowns there. So that's why we often talk about stepping into it in a small way, because uh, you brought up something that's, that's important to think about too, like herbicides. So like for us on our farm, we're used to corn and soybeans and we'll raise a little wheat and oats, occasionally some alfalfa. But if it's some other crop we're not used to raising, maybe we're not paying attention to the, the herbicide care over potential and some of those kind of things because there are some herbicides out there that could last a couple of years in the soil so yeah you just have to be careful yes uh, i know rainfall is a big deal when it comes to yep. you know the the how long those herbicides stay in the soil and if you're dry it could stay in there a long time and really cause problems later so. yeah it could but yeah. i mean where you're at you're warmer so much more than we are or especially we we work with a lot of people in north dakota and up in canada and i, I mean honestly i'm more concerned about the temperature than i am the rainfall so in terms of mm -hmm. the breakdown of a lot of these herbicides so I yeah I, I so i i wouldn't i wouldn't be scared to death and i also would say I, I mean, there's certainly nothing wrong with trying some different things on your farm and, and just seeing, hey, what, what can be done? Because let's face it, when you're in a dry area of the country, I mean, the odds are always stacked against you. And so you got to try to figure out how you can maximize on that little amount of rainfall, your overall production and profitability and everything else. And if you can make your soil better, hopefully your crops in the future are better and all mm -hmm. those kind of things. Yeah, I think on our irrigated, the cover crops, the rye, we've been able to utilize and show benefits there. The thing that scares me is we're in such a water deficit area that uh, cover crop on dry land acres is going to 
use up too much moisture. But yep. I know that uh, timing could help out there. There might be a possibility. Or just looking at uh, just more diverse crops on, on those dryland acres, like you say, if you got the market, if you got the equipment and ability to handle it. Right. And the last thing that I'll throw out here, so we've worked with a lot of guys in dry areas on dryland farms with cover crops. And the biggest thing that a lot of those guys have stressed to me is termination in the fall. So in other words, making sure that they've got everything dead well before before winter. And that way they are still able to catch snow, but they don't have yeah. the moisture continuing to be robbed from the ground. Hey, uh, Jeff, we got to run, but thanks a lot for calling in today. Really appreciate it, and good luck appreciate down there. Hope you get some rain. Yeah. Thank you. You bet. Yeah, hope so, too. Thanks. Yep. It's Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trivolt Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um... We'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at TrivoltInAction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. It's planting season, race against the clock season, mistakes can't happen season, and no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster, that makes your spacing and depth more accurate, and that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gainground. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. 
Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. We're taking your calls and questions either by email, radio at agphd.com, or you can just call us on the phone, 844-44-AG-PHD. Are we coming on all those questions from yesterday that we didn't get to from our live stream audience? We got a few more of those yet. In (laughs) fact, one of them uh, followed up with an email today. Tim had asked a question yesterday at the meeting, and he said, Hey, I'm the guy from Iowa that asked you about sulfur yesterday. Uh, Thanks for taking my questions. Also putting me in touch with, uh, with an agronomist. Uh, he said, as usual, I was wrong about blending elemental sulfur not being allowed in Iowa. It's only a new policy at my local co-op. They're now pushing <laughs> a spreadable AMS, which is a 210024, or ammonium thiosulfate 110016, or Liquid. a MAP-based 9430 with 16 sulfur. Since I already have my phosphorus on, I'll probably spray ammonium thiosulfate and zinc as early as possible rather than try to side dress 32% sulfur and zinc with a coulter. Maybe next year I'll try that map-based 943.0 with 16 sulfur in my fall strip till. Sure. Just wanted to clarify that in case I led anyone astray. Hey, uh, talk about the... Um, let's see, what was it? Something harmful with sulfur that well, came up this, yesterday. Just the, just the, that the 90% sulfur can, can be uh, a challenge and can be potentially explosive. And so dealers generally just handle that in bulk bags, whereas the 85% elemental sulfur, that can get handled in bulk and run through a leg and no problem. So, yeah, a lot of people are handling the 85 rather than the 90, and then okay. they just don't have the issues. Yep. So, yeah, there's always something, and it's good to ask questions, and I'm glad he did. And even though it started off on the wrong track or, or just a misunderstanding, I uh, kind of got around to, to what was going on. Okay. Uh, so Tim asked the question. He said, I wonder, what do you, what is your formula for – uh, figuring if you take silage and you don't put manure back. Well, Tim, I mean, obviously. What do you, what do you we, mean, what's our formula? Formula just, for what? That's just the question. I, so, I suppose is what you removed. You know, in that case, Tim, we would we would just simply take soil samples and see where we're at for nutrients right. and start going back that way. But we would also keep an eye on organic matter. And if we were going to do that over a number of years, uh, we'd, we'd start looking at, you know, maybe I need a cover crop in the situation here so I can try to maintain what my organic matter percentage is and protect my soil just a little bit. Well, yeah. Anytime we're cutting silage, we're putting a cover crop out there because we have so much time yet before the end of the season. Silage comes off way before corn harvest is going to happen in our area. So we, we are throwing a cover crop out, so we don't worry about the organic matter. But in terms of the fertility, yeah, we're just soil testing. And then we're, I, I would say too, we're not going to be, we're not going to figure normal or average or anything else in terms of yield goals. So we're going to look at each different area of the field and we're going to say, all right, what's our, what's our potential plus? So in other words, we've got some fields that are averaging 260, 265 on corn, which means the best areas are averaging 280, 300, somewhere in that kind of range. Well, we're going to make sure we're above that 
with P and K and the nutrients that don't leach. So we'll be more conservative with the nutrients that leach, like nitrate, sulfate, boron, because those, they're not going to stick around for years. So anyway, I mean, we do look at things a little bit differently than, than a lot of other people do. And I don't really care if we had corn there, beans there, cut silage, didn't cut silage, whatever. We still have to look at that, that overall soil test and say, all right, what's our goal for this next year? What are we trying to get to? And what are we trying to do here long-term? All right, thanks. Hey, oh, I'll throw one last thing out with that. It's going to vary a little bit depending on what fertilizer prices are at. So you see fertilizer prices coming down now. It would not shock me if by this fall they crash. If that were to happen, just like it did in the fall of 2020, where we had the lowest potash prices in like 15 years. I mean, we always say, like with base saturation, we're going for 4 to 8% somewhere in there. Well, a lot of our fields were around 4, a little above. And we just said, man, as cheap as potash, it hasn't been this way in 15 years. What are we doing here? We're going for big-time yield moving forward. So our 5 to 10-year plan is I'd like to have a 300-bushel farm average I'm like, 4% isn't going to cut it. So we raised all our fields, like literally every single field, from 4 all the way to 6 or 7%. Now, on light soil, that's inexpensive. On heavy soil, that is that costs a crazy amount of money. But we did it. Thank goodness we did because we got the potash for way cheaper than you know what it's been here the last couple of years. But anyway, that would be the one thing that I would say we would change up a little bit. And we'd also think about, okay, is this going to go to alfalfa? Is this going to go to silage? Things where we know we're going to remove ridiculous amounts of K moving forward. And so then we might build a little more. So I I, I know I'm getting kind of deep in this here, but I'm just trying to say there are a lot of things to think about rather than just, well, what did I remove this year? And what am I, what's my goal for next year only? All right. Well, thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. And yeah, you're right. You gotta gotta always be pricing things out. Always be looking to see. Hey, is this my year to to get get ahead? Can I afford to to get that done? Okay. Uh, Eric had a question. He said, "You guys always talk about overlaying yield and soil maps. Uh, is there a particular program that I should look for so I could do that on my own farm?" There's nothing that we know of that's out there today. We're working on a program. It's called Verify, and hopefully that'll be out by this summer. But we've been in testing with that for a while yeah, and, now. And you can always do it manually. But Absolutely. It, 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 is, it is a little bit of work, but it's not as much work maybe as you think. In one day, it's amazing how much that a person can get done. Maybe you'll catch another snow day here, and uh, you can take a look where your yield monitor is at. Uh, based on where your grid soil points or zone soil points are at. It's just you got to have GPS coordinates on where those soil samples were pulled. That's really the key if you do it on your own. Uh, Wally said, hey, you guys talked about the nitrogen to potassium ratio being in balance. You made comment on that a couple of times to prevent lodging, uh, for example. I'm just wondering when you're doing that, what nitrogen number are you looking at? What potassium number are you looking at? Is this something off the Malik scale? Uh, is it on a different kind of Midwest Labs test? Or where are you getting your nitrogen and potassium numbers to do this? Well, honestly, we basically look at base saturation, 
and either pounds or parts per million for potassium. So in heavy soil, so let's say that I'm at, call it 15 and above for cation exchange capacity. When you're higher than that, then if I'm at at least 4% base saturation potassium, there is almost certainly enough K in terms of pounds in your soil to produce an incredible crop and have good stock and grain quality and all that kind of thing. So if it's in the if it's a light soil, especially 10 and below, but maybe even 15 and below for cation exchange capacity, then we can't just look at par, at base saturation. We have to look at parts per million, which translates then to pounds per acre, to make sure that we've got enough out there for the crop. So I would just say when we talk about the nitrogen to potassium ratio, we don't say typically oh, it's this one-to-one -one thing or anything like that. We don't give you a set number. We're going to talk to you about your soil, the base saturation test, and then putting an appropriate amount of nitrogen out there for the crop you're raising. So if you're going to raise 300 bushel corn that you're, you've got, by the time you figure organic matter release, carryover in, and applied in, you're somewhere around 325, 350 pounds. That's what that 300 bushel corn is going to take in total. I'm not saying you apply all that, but I'm saying that's what the crop will need somehow, some way throughout the growing season. Um, if you're putting out 500, you got a problem. If you're putting out 200, you got a problem. So that that's kind of where we're going with this whole thing. It with potassium, the problem is, and the reason why we can't just say, oh, there's this exact ratio, because potassium uptake and intake into the plant and how it gets used in everything else is very dependent on your calcium and magnesium and all these other factors. So that's why how, we have to look at base saturation. And get rainfall, too. And right. if you're in light, sandy soil and you've got irrigation, this is going to be a, a lot different than if you're in heavy soil exactly. and you don't get much rain. Right. It's a great question, though, and it's something you definitely want to watch on your farm. Just pay attention to your own numbers and see what kind of results you get. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back after this. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Water Hemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. There's no time to mess around when it comes to early season protection from yield-robbing pests and diseases. Ethos XB Insecticide Fungicide is the next generation of at-plant protection. Through your liquid fertilizer system, get broad-spectrum defense and create an environment where seedlings can vigorously emerge with more uniformity, helping to optimize your productivity and yield. Get serious seedling defense with Ethos XB Insecticide Fungicide. Ethos XB Insecticide Fungicide is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow all label directions. Your crop deserves the best, not just a contender. Choose a Champ brand fungicide from New Farm for proven performance in the formula you prefer. Champ Formula 2 Flowable offers exceptional mixing and stability in a liquid copper. Champ Ion comes supercharged for superior coverage in a dry formulation. Any way you turn, New Farm has the copper solution you can win with. Put a Champ in your corner at newfarm.com slash uscrop. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. 
Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Officer Jones calling for backup. 10-4. Location? Graber back 40. Looks like we've got Palmer Amaranth, Kosha, some common water hemp. Resistant weeds. Copy that. You'll need a good tank mix partner. I'm sending tough 5UC. Come out with your hands up! Guys, we're surrounded. Crack down on repeat offenders. Add tough 5EC to your post-emergence tank mix. Learn more at toughonweeds.com. Always read and follow label directions. Tough is a registered trademark of Belgian Crop Protection. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today on a Farmer Friday, and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. Uh, got a weed control question for you, Brian. This one comes in from B, who says, uh, guys, harness versus balance flex pre when using harness max post on corn. Which would you do? My weeds are woolly cupgrass, water hemp, giant ragweed, and, and that covers most of the main ones. Wait, woolly cupgrass what? Water hemp and giant ragweed. Okay. So I'm the question is, I'm going to use Harness Max Post. So I've got Harness and an HPPD in there. So I don't want to use uh, an HPPD Pre, but right. That's the whole thing. I like Balance Flex Pre because it does better on woolly cup than Harness does. So what would you do? Is this conventional corn? That I don't know. He if, didn't mention that. All right, because if it's Roundup corn or you could spray Liberty on there, I mean, Roundup and Liberty are both outstanding on woolly cupgrass. Yes, harness is not going to be very good. So if it, it all depends, too, on how bad this woolly cupgrass problem is because you listed woolly cupgrass, giant ragweed, well, and here, water hemp. Here's the other thing. If it's, if it's conventional corn and you put Balance Flex down pre yep. and you come back with Harness Max, you are going to miss foxtails. You're just not going to be very good on foxtails, yep, and you're going true. to have grass escapes. So yep, yep. for Excellent me, what I would do is I would use a full rate of Harness down pre, and if you want to mix a Balance Flex in, do it. Yep. But then you're going to have to switch to something different post. I don't That's like right. Balance Flex followed by Meso post nope. No, nope. I agree 100%. So if it's Roundup corn, um, I'd just say if you are insistent on I got to do Harness Max post, that means you need to do straight Harness Pre. If it's – and and with the Harness – or with let's see, with the Harness Max post, you want to spray – Roundup with it if it's Roundup corn. Now, if it's conventional corn, to Darren's point, yeah, we'd probably suggest full rate of harness plus some Balance Flex Pre. And Balance and Flex post isn't super expensive. That, no. That's the other thing to think about here. It's not super expensive. No. But then post-emerge, I would come along with Status or some Dicamba 
is what I would do post well, if you've put down the H-E-P-D-P. And, and if you've got woolly cupgrass out there, you're most likely going to have to unconventional corn put some accent in in that post pass or make two passes post. I know I don't like to rely on that yep. either, Brian, but right. the other thing I would say is plant early yep. and try yep. and shade yep. that crop out as quick as you can. Do Definitely. everything to get off to a good start that you possibly can. Definitely. Okay. Uh, got uh, a pH question here. Eric said, my pH... Okay, my pH is higher, 8.1, in a couple areas in my 6 to 24-inch soil test. But the 0 to 6 is in the good range, 6 to 7 pH. So I'm wondering, should I be worried about my deeper soil test has a high pH? It isn't on many acres, but it's higher than you guys talk about. 8.1 seems to be a little little bit of a problem. Yeah, it's not great, but by the same token, does it's it deep. tell you that you've got and a drainage issue? Maybe, but it also maybe excess lime. So I'd be curious to see what the soil test says. So if it's me, what I would do is I would test that soil separately, not just for pH, but test it literally for every nutrient. Send it in to us. Let's take a look at it and see what's out of balance. Uh, that will give us some kind of better indication. For example, if it's high in sodium, high in salt, high in sulfur, high in every leachable that there is, that's indicating you have a drainage problem. Now, on the other hand, if it says you have excess lime and your calcium percentage is 93% or something like that, that's just telling us, oh, we got lots of uh, calcium there. And quite frankly, if we just put on a whole bunch of sulfur over time, we can flush that out of the soil and get that lower soil into balance. All right. Very good. Thank you uh, for the question. We appreciate that. I get this one from Keith and he said, okay, going to plant soybeans after soybeans. So continuous soybeans. Here's the rotation. I'm curious. I have in-furrow capabilities. Should I be putting on Mm. fungicide? Should I be putting insecticide? Anything else? And what would you suggest? Okay, Keith, a couple things here. First of all, anytime you're in continuous crop, you have a little bit higher chance of the same bugs coming back that like that crop and the same diseases. Yeah. So varietal tolerance is going to be really big with the varieties that you plant. So look for things that you can't really protect against, like brown stem rot, for yep. example. You can find varieties that are 100% resistant to brown stem rot. Now you don't have to worry about it. And we do see that often in continuous beans, brown stem rot. Soybean cyst nematode is another thing. You definitely want a nematode-resistant bean. Maybe if you planted one that had the PI88788 gene last year, which if you aren't sure which gene it has... That's the one that it had. Uh, and then specifically <laughs> pick one that says it's Peking because yep. your seed dealer is going to make a big deal out of it. If it's, hey, this has Peking in it, maybe you want to try a Peking variety <laughs> if you can find one of those for this year. That could be something to do. Now, when you think about weed control, if you said, well, I was in list soybeans last year, should I switch to extend flex this year? I'm not so worried about that. No. If you had a few volunteer soybeans out there, that isn't the biggest deal. Uh, I, okay. I wouldn't be too worried, but if you are, you, you sure could switch traits. Okay, let's go back to his specific question. What should he put in furrow? So this year we did capture LFR on our farm. Is that necessary? Probably not in most cases. I just thought, man, we got such great potential. We have had some bug problems in the past, so we're going to do it. But almost no one does that in soybeans. Now, on the naturals front, are there some naturals or, or as we call them, biological or I mean, we call them naturals, and a lot of people call them biologicals. I mean, could you do something like that in furrow? Um, 
yeah, you sure could. I, I mean, you can talk to your suppliers in your area and see what they've got. We don't do a whole lot. Um, we've done some mixes. We've done, for example, some Mega Grow, Inferro. Uh, we really like that. Uh, plant growth hormones. We've done awesome just other products that we talk about from time to time here either as seed treatment or in furrow heat shield nutricycle uh, microcycle i mean there are a number of different products we've been using on our farm so it just kind of depends on what's available to you you could try a few things out but other than that i would tell you be really careful if you're going to do any fertilizer you got to be so cautious with fertilizer i'm not a big fan of putting much if any in furrow all right. Thanks for the question. Uh, got this question that came in about Resicor. If we're going to use Resicor, let's just say that we're putting that out pre. My question is, if you have another group 15 on the shelf, like say we had some Outlook or some Dual on hand, could you use a half a rate of that as well in a pre or even a post product uh, tandem Absolutely. with Resicor? Absolutely. Uh, or do you have to use Sure Start only no. in the half rate pass? Nope. So, so the problem with a lot of these premixes, we were talking about Harness Max earlier. There's Triple Flex, Sure Start, Verdict. I mean, even Resicor, that the rates that a lot of people are using, they're using very low rates. Well, the challenge with that is you have then a very low rate of group 15. You might have the full rate of the broadleaf herbicide, but a low rate of group 15. You want the higher rate of group 15 so you get better grass control, and it will help you a little bit on the broadleaves as well. So, yes, we are big proponents of spiking in another group 15, whether it's the same active ingredient or a different active ingredient, as long as it's another group 15 to get you up to what we would consider the full rate of group 15 in that pre, that's the way to go in our experience. All right. Uh, question coming in here from Mark about chloride and about sulfur. Mark said, okay, guys, two years ago, I put on 550 pounds of actual potash and I have in an 11 acre area of a field, so not a huge area, but I have 1,044 pounds of chloride per acre sitting out there. I have only 1.3% base saturation K and 212 parts per million of potassium on the soil test. I've got a high CEC, 40, and my pH is 8.3. I still want to raise that potassium up, but... I'm wondering, can I put more potash on when I already have that much chloride out there? I was considering 175 pounds more potash this spring, or should I just wait until the fall or maybe even wait a few years? Okay, the problem if you wait is your K levels are already too low, and that's going to be hurting your yield. So, chloride is leachable, so I'm not super worried about that typically. But I would ask you... Do you have a drain or do you have a drainage issue? If you do, you got to get that fixed. Okay, and the other thing you could do is you could just ban some potassium. Maybe you do a different source of potassium that didn't have sure, all the chloride. Potassium with sulfate. It. You ban that with the row. Yeah. Uh, okay. Then on another field, I have good drainage, but I still have 120 pounds of sulfur in my zero to six and 360 pounds in my six to 24. Can I still add mm -hmm. elemental sulfur, or am I wasting my time trying to lower my pH with elemental? Sulfur? Probably wasting your time. I, when you say good drainage, I would question how good is that drainage because that seems like way too much sulfur unless you've been putting on ridiculous amounts. So it, I don't think it's good. Maybe you have compaction issues, tiles not working, something like that. Hey, thanks for the questions. We really appreciate that, Mark. And thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.